Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm up you Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Visa Family Podcast, we've got a great podcast for you as in segment number two, we are going to be joined by John Jansen. He does great work over at Fox Sports Philadelphia, The Gambler. We're going to be chatting with him about the entire landscape of the NLEs. It is a very herky-jerky one, to say the least. The demise of the New York Mets, what to expect out of the Philadelphia Phillies moving forward. They've gotten a few guys now in off the injured list, so if perhaps they are going to be able to turn the corner and we're going to dive into a few games that we're going to be seeing on Sunday as well. So we're going to be having that chat with our good friend John in segment number two. He also does a great job with his own podcast, Stealing the Bag, which you're able to find wherever you get your podcast. In the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we do touch them all. And if you have any questions, comments, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, Lurzium, maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not really get in any Twitter questions today, but we had a great day of baseball on Saturday. So let's take a look back at it. Tried to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. We certainly saw some blown leads on Saturday as... It was day number two of Kenley Jansen blowing saves. Back-to-back blown saves for him as the St. Louis Cardinals get the win by a count of 4-3. to three. There were a couple pitch clock violations from Kenley Jansen. There was also an error by Kike Hernandez that did not help out his cause. But after Chris Sale looked very dominant, he goes eight innings. He gives up one solo home run going deep for the Cardinals. Nolan Aaron out his fifth home run season. But all in all, a very good start for Chris Sale. Kenley Jansen blows it. He gives up three runs, two of which were earned in the ninth inning. That was far from terrific. And for Boston, they had a tough time catching up to the bullpen of the St. Louis Cardinals. As Steven Mass, he gives up three runs over the course of five and a third innings. But from there, Drew Verhagen, one and two-thirds innings scoreless. Andre Pallanti and Giovanni Gallegos, they both lend a scoreless inning. And all of a sudden, it does feel like the ship is starting to be righted a little bit more for the St. Louis Cardinals. As Sponge has now went 5-1 and one in their last six games. 
They should be sending Kenley Jansen a nice fruit basket for being able to help out with that as well. But that said, they're starting to get online. Our DK Nation write-up pick got completely bailed out by the fact that the Angels bullpen continues to be the Angels bullpen. 8-6, to six, the Cleveland Guardians get the job done. And the Guardians are now 22-3 and three in the last 25 regular season starts of Cal Quantrill. Quantrill gives up three runs over the course of six innings. All give it up in the first three innings. He did allow leadoff home run to Mickey Monick. First home run of the season, he had three hits in this game, by the way. And then you would have Zach Neto in the eighth inning go deep off of Eli Morgan, his second of the season. Morgan should have been out of the inning, by the way. But there was an error, and then he gives up a two-run homer. So he gives up two unearned runs in an inning. Anya De Los Santos gives up a run in an inning as well. But yeah, Trevor Stevens closed it out in the ninth inning after in the eighth. The Angels give up a six-spot. A Guardians team that is dead last in the big leagues in terms of home runs this season got a pair as Ryan Tapera gave it up to a Josh Naylor, his fifth home run season, and Andres Jimenez his third. Spoils what was a pretty solid start for me, Demers. Gives up two runs over the course of five-plus innings. Chris Savinsky was able to fire a squirrel setting but could not hold inherited runners on base. But from there, Andrew Wants gives up four runs and one and a third innings. And then Ryan DePera gives up those two home runs. Two runs in total surrendered in two-thirds of an inning. So the Angels bullpen. Yep, it's a story as old as the dawn of time. They blow this one. The Pittsburgh Pirates have now scored three runs or fewer in 11 straight games as they fall by a count of 2-0 to zero to the Baltimore Orioles. For the Orioles, a really good start out of Tyler Wells. I guess you could say he pitched Wells, giving up one hit in seven innings, punched out eight. From there, Yanir Cano, along with Felix Batista, both on his scoreless setting in for the Orioles. A pair of home runs led them to victory. Gunnar Henderson gets his fourth home run season. Ellie Rushman, his sixth. Those both come off of Ronsi Contreras, who deserved better. He gave up two runs over the course of seven innings, but the team provided him with zero runs. Robert Stevenson, scoreless setting from there. The Chicago White Sox. They were able to get a W. 3-1. to one. They take down the Houston Astros. As for the White Sox, you had Luis Robert go deep. His 10th home run of the season. That was the main form of offense for them. As he goes deep off of Brandon Bielak, who gave up 8 hits, but just one run over the course of his 5 innings. By the way, the White Sox entered into the 7th inning with 10 hits and just that one sole home run before they were able to get to Rafael Montero in the 8th inning, who gave up 2 runs in an inning. Phil Mate and Ryan Sanic both on his squirrel setting, but nothing new for the Houston Astros as Dylan Cease. It was ceasing to exist. Good starts for him. He bounces back here after giving up three plus runs in each of his previous five starts. Six scoreless settings. Reynaldo Lopez gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning, but Joe Kelly, four outside the bullpen scoreless, and then Kendall Graveman able to pick up a save as he was able to fire a scoreless setting. The Texas Rangers just continue the demise of the Oakland A's. Five to zero. Texas is back to being able to get the job done as he had a pair of guys go deep in this one as you had Nate Lowe get low for his fifth home run season off of James Caprillion and Ezekiel Duran gets his fifth home run season. That came off of former NPB great Zach Neal and Neal gives up two runs over the course of two innings for James Caprillion. Honestly, not the worst star in the world. He gives up that home run, three runs in total over the course of seven innings, but for the Oakland A's, absolutely nothing doing off of John Gray who he was showing his 55 shades of John Gray. Eight scoreless innings from him. And then you had a scoreless inning out of the King and John King to be able to get the job done. Also being able to get the job done was the L.A. Dodgers. They got a 4-2 win over the Slam Diego Padres. 
For Joe Musgrove, it's been a rough start to the season. Four runs surrendered over the course of five and two-thirds innings, including home run to J.D. Martinez. Fifth home run season for Julio Arias. He allowed two solo home runs along the way in seven innings. That's Juan Soto, who's really been able to pick it up recently. Seventh home run of the season. And then Awesome Kim, he was able to get his fourth home run season. As a matter of fact, for Juan Soto, I've criticized him quite a bit. We'll give him credit where credit is due. Last 15 days, hitting north of a 400 with now three home runs. Evan Phillips fires a scoreless inning, and then Caleb Ferguson, Bruce Harder, Gradwell. Thank you, Bob, for a scoreless inning. Meanwhile, for the Padres, Tom Cusgrove, one and a third inning scoreless. Nick Martinez was able to fire in a scoreless setting as well. This is a suspended game. This is going to be picked up in the AM, but it's going to be picked up in the third inning with the Washington Nationals up by kind of 1-0 to zero as for the Mets. Joey Lucchese gave up one and two innings for the Nationals. The game was stopped with Trevor Williams, two and a third inning scoreless. We shall see what happens there. Unfortunately, I don't think a lot of books are going to be posting anything up to be able to fire in there. You're probably going to be able to get in some live betting, but that said, a little bit of a strange situation. You're essentially going to be getting 16-plus innings of baseball when it comes to Nationals versus Mets on Sunday, but it's not going to be a fresh line or anything like that until they get in-game there. So there is that aspect of it for the Seattle Mariners. They did not allow a single run to the Detroit Tigers, 5-0. to zero. They take them down as you had Bryce Miller lend a really good start. Seven scoreless settings. Matt Brash, Justin Topa from there. They lend a scoreless setting in. Jared Kelnick along with Teos Hernandez go deep off of Alex Fajardo. They both get their eighth home run of the season for Fajardo. Gives up three runs over the course of six innings, including those two bombs. Will Vest, he gives up two runs over the course of a third and inning before Jason Shreve is able to give you a scoreless setting. And Tyler Holton, he was holding it down. He was able to give the team five outs out of the bullpen scoreless. The uh, bit of misery for our good friend. Sandy Alcantara continues. 6-5, to five, the Cincinnati Reds get it done. Nick Lodolo got scratched the night before because he got an unexpected injury, so it was pretty much the poo-poo platter of pitchers with Levi Stout being a bulk guy that they recalled from the minor leagues for Stout. Gives up one run over the course of three innings. Derek Law, the opener, one and a third inning scoreless. You did have Ian Gabot get the win despite the fact that he gave up two runs in an inning, including home run, and then Buck Farmer gave up a solo home run over the course of one and a third innings for Farmer. His home run was hit by Brian De La Cruz, third home run season, and Jazz Shislam went deep off of Ian Gabot for a seventh home run season, but Lucas Sims, Casey Lugamina, both give you an out of the bullpen, and Alexis Diaz, he provides five outs, gave up one run along the way, and then Jake Fraley, back-to-back days for a home run for him. Fifth home run campaign that comes off of Sandy Alcantara, who probably was just left in there too long. Six runs surrendered in seven and two-thirds innings. Matt Barnes gets it out of the bullpen, and Andrew Nardi was able to give you a scoreless setting, but the Marlins, they leave 11 men on base, and all of a sudden, we're starting to see some overs in Miami because this is a ballpark that going into the series had yielded just five overs all season long. And if you're looking at your best under ballpark thus far this season, that'd be Toronto. Just three overs have been played in Toronto. And on Saturday, it was another under five to two. The Toronto Blue Jays got it done against the Atlanta Braves as the Braves. They went 0-9 with runners in scoring position, left 10 men on base. Bryce Elder, not a bad start, gives up two runs over the course of five innings. From there, A.J. Minter allows two runs in an inning. Joey Menez gives up a run in an inning. And Derek Lee and Jesse Chavez piecemeal together a scoreless inning. But Marcelo Zuna, lone form of offense, seventh home run season as Jose Barrios. He continues to be relatively solid at home, gives up two runs in five and two-thirds innings. From there, Eric Swanson, Yimi Garcia... They combined to go two and a third inning scoreless. Jordan Romano scoreless setting with Jose Barrios. Always gauge them differently home versus road. At home, not so bad on the road. 
could be a little bit more of a roll of the dice. Hayden Wisniewski was not much of a roll of the dice prior to Saturday, but you figured regression might be coming, and boy did it come. The Twins lit them up for four home runs. They win by a count of 11-1 for Wisniewski. Gives up seven runs over the course of five innings, including four bombs as Ori Palonko gets his third home run season. Joey Gallo's eighth home run season. Joey Gallo hit the ball so far they couldn't even track the amount of feet that it went. And Alex Kurloff gets his first and second home runs of the season. He would have later on in the game Carlos Gray get his sixth home run season. That came off of Brandon Hughes, who gave up a run in an inning. Brad Boxberger gets up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. Michael Fulmer cleans up and out of the bullpen. Michael Rucker, a scoreless inning, but for the Cubs, they left 12 men on base, going one of 12 men in scoring position for Joe Ryan. Ten punch-outs in six scoreless settings. Yeah, Giovanni Morin from there, who's been a little bit rough this year, give up a run in an inning, and Cole Sands, he gives up five walks, but what do scoreless settings? So that was very fascinating, to say the least. The Tampa Bay Rays have all of a sudden lost four out of their last five, as they've been hitting a little bit of a cooler, as you saw the uh, New York Yankees get it done by kind of 9-8, to eight, and by the way, the New York Yankees have really been able to pick up their offense recently as they have now scored six-plus runs in uh, six out of their last seven games. That will ha- also happen when you face off against the Oakland A's. But that's that for the Tampa Bay Rays. Yandy Diaz was able to get his 10th home run season. The team went 5-13 with the men in scoring position as for Nestor Cortez. Not the start he was looking for. Gives up six runs in four and a third innings, including that home run. From there, you did have Ron Benadaccio give up two runs in a third of an inning, but Clay Holmes, Jimmy Cordero, both provide five outs out of the bullpen scoreless and Wandy Peralta a scoreless setting. But for the New York Yankees, they got to shame McClanahan in a big way as McClanahan gives up a home run to Kyle Gashioka's third home run season and Aaron Judge hits his seventh home run season off of him. He would get home run number eight off of Ryan Thompson who really lit this game on fire. For McClanahan, gives up four runs in four innings including those two home runs and then Ryan Thompson got five outs out of the bullpen, allowed five runs including one of those home runs to Judge, Javi Guerin out of the bullpen and Jalen Beeks, two scoreless innings, but damage had already been done. The Milwaukee Brewers were able to do some damage. They take down the Kansas City Royals by a count of 4-3 as it was a walk-off winner for them for Joey Weimer. He gets a sack fly to be able to get this one in. Zach Greinke allows a home run, two runs in total over the course of five innings. As Christian Yelich, who's been a big giant waste of money since winning that MVP, Fifth and sixth home runs of the season as he also went deep off of Josh Taylor, who gave up a run in two-thirds of an inning. Taylor Clark frots out the bullpen, squirrels for all the chap and a squirrel saying, and then Carlos Hernandez gives up the game-winning run, getting two outs in that ninth inning. Meanwhile, for Kansas City, Salvador Perez was able to go deep off of Adrian Hauser, his eighth home run season. For Adrian Hauser, I think we can call him Doogie Hauser in this one. He gives up three runs over the course of four innings, but the bullpen from there was able to share it up. Peter Strzelecki, Joel Pyam, Seven Williams, all land a squirrel setting, and Hobie Milner holds down the fourth. He was able to supply two scoreless innings. Oh, what's the Philadelphia Phillies were able to get it done by kind of 7-4 over the Colorado Rockies. Certainly going to be talking much more about the Phillies and the National League East in general with our good friend John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, in segment number two. But how about this performance from Bryce Harper being able to get a double and a home run in this one? Going deep off of Pierce Johnson, second home run of the campaign as Johnson allowed two runs over the course of an inning. For Ryan Feldner, knocked out of this start very early. He gives up four walks, four runs, and he got just five outs as Peter Lambert. Came on in long relief and was actually really good. Three and a third inning scoreless. Brent Suter, two innings scoreless. And then Jake Bird gives up a run in his inning of work for the Colorado Rockies. So just not a lot doing for them on offense. As for Suarez, 
First start of the year, didn't necessarily look the world's sharpest. He did get four strikeouts in four innings, but gave up three runs. But bullpen was able to pick it up. You had an unearned run in an inning given up by Jeff Hoffman, former Colorado Rocky, and then Gregory Soto, Andrew Bellotti. They both had a scoreless inning, and Connor Brogdon, two scoreless innings. And to wrap up the day, Zach Allen continues to be incredible for the Arizona Diamondbacks. 7-2, the Diamondbacks able to get it done for Gallon. He goes seven and two-thirds innings, allowing two runs. He has a strikeout-to-walk ratio, which was in the last, I believe, six starts, like 24. Skyrocket because he gets six strikeouts to just two walks. But that said, once again, a good performance. Andrew Chafin, Anthony Bacevich, they combine for three outside the bullpen scoreless. And Kyle Nelson gets the final out of this one as... It was a very good performance with a triple and a home run for Dominic Fletcher. That is the second home run in the campaign that came off of Tristan Beck, who gave up three runs over the course of an inning. Anthony DiScalfani, not necessarily too sharp in this one, gives up three runs over the course of five innings. Scott Alexander allows a run in an inning, and you had a scoreless inning out of one of the two Rodgers, as this time it was Mr. Taylor Rodgers that came on in relief, but... If you're taking a look at the landscape of baseball, we're finding more unders. 289 unders at 281 overs. 50.7% of games now going under the total for favorites. Overall for the season, they've been solid on the money line. 342 and 248 straight up, though. I will say, among these favorites, we have now seen a grand total of 85 fail to cover the run line. And if you're taking a look at... Just the last seven days, it has been rough for favorites. 45 and 44 straight up. Just nine have failed to cover the run line, so a lot of the favorites have been able to win by multiple runs. But 49 unders to 37 overs in this time span as well. I believe three pushes in that time span. So over the last seven days, 49% of games have gone under the total. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we all got on Saturday. Coming up next... Talking a lot about the American League East and the Phillies with our good friend John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the Gambler. That's up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Houston Family Podcast. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you and when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is great to be joined by this man as John Jansen. He does great work over at Fox Sports Philadelphia, The Gambler. He is the host of the show, The Lion Change. And this is a man that does a little bit of everything because on top of that, he also does some video game reviews over at RP Gamer, which that is based out there in the great state of Wisconsin. I know that he does his own MOB podcast as well. That is the Stealing the Bag podcast, which you're able to find wherever you're podcast. So we've got a multi-tool, five-tool five player right here on the podcast as to be able to follow John Jansen on Twitter. as at Jay Jansen, the number 34, all together in John Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, five tools. I don't know if they're graded 80 or not, though. Might be in the, the 40s and 30s, but I at least do have some tools that I can use. Yeah. I can say that I have five tools as well. They might be just five very, very dull screwdrivers, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but you know what? There's five tools. So, And hey, you know what? For my idiocracy, I am the equivalent of five tools so yeah there it is yeah you're, you're a little bit better though you're you you great in the 80s you're you're a top prospect five tool play <laughs> oh i do appreciate that and i mean when we take a look at just guys on top in general it has been interesting what we've been seeing this baseball season because you do a great job as being someone that does a lot with regards to following the philadelphia phillies of taking a look at the analysts and I think one thing has become very clear throughout the season. Even with the Atlanta Braves losing the first two games against the Toronto Blue Jays, it's the Braves' division at this point to lose. But I think what happens after the Atlanta Braves 
is very interesting because all the other teams in this division are at least five games back as of Sunday. But I just take a look at the rest of the division, and it just feels like there's sort of this poo-poo platter of mediocrity with the Washington Nationals not necessarily being as bad as we all thought. They're right now 10-9 and nine on the road, which I didn't think we'd be sitting here saying that. But I think that this entire NL East division is very fascinating because with the Mets just right now in a big, giant pit of misery, it's opened things up for everyone else in the division. Yeah, it has. It's the complete opposite of the AL East, the NL East. The AL East has all teams over 500. The NL East has one, and then a bunch of teams 500 or below. Uh, so they have not been good. Good thing for the Phillies, though. They're the one team kind of trending in the right direction now after four wins. There is some progression with the starting rotation. Wheeler and Nola had good starts against Toronto. Tywin Walker had a good start. Now they get Suarez back. So things are trending in the right direction, so that's obviously good. The Mets, though, are going the complete opposite way they can't get guys healthy which is a big thing for them always especially when it comes to their starting rotation and even when they are healthy some of those guys aren't playing up the standard so yeah the Mets Mets are a concern I have no idea how the Nationals have kind of looked pretty good to the point where I've liked betting them and I didn't fade Josiah Gray Greg we usually fade that guy I have been betting on him and he won a game for me luckily Sean I was on the other side of that it has opened things up, and again, the good thing is, I think for the Phillies, they are trending in a much better direction than the rest of the teams, but it is surprising, at least for me, to see the Mets just, they're falling apart already. You know, you could have maybe seen this in the summer months, and as the season wore on, that you might see some of these injuries pop up, but it's been almost immediate that they've been bad and not able to stay healthy, and it looks like the Mets might just be a bad baseball team. I know it's hard to make that determination now, but it's not going in the right direction. No, I'm completely in agreement with you, and I think that for the Mets, they were probably propped up a little bit too much coming into the season because when you take a look at what the Mets were able to do in 2022, they were the beneficiaries on some fortunate balls in play, being able to beat out more infield singles than any other team in baseball. And I wish I could put it any other way. It just feels like they're old. They're really, really old. They're not able to get anything whatsoever out of their starters. As we're doing this right now, we have no idea what's happened with this rain delay that has been going on for like, 57 hours it feels like at this point so I that's very interesting as to what we're going to be getting on Sunday on that front but I just take a look at the Mets and I think that they've invested too much on guys that are a little bit over the hill and as a result they're throwing out their sort of a smorgasbord of guys like David Peterson, Joy Lucchese and company for starts. And that's just not the recipe for a winning team. No and you know Francisco Lindor is just going to be an average baseball player, it looks like now with the Mets. He was a big signing that's just not paying off. Obviously, Max Scherzer's been dealing with some health issues. Justin Verlander dealing with health issues. And those are the older guys I think you're talking about. Kota Sengai. Asenga has looked okay, but certainly not flashing, I think, high-end starter stuff that I think the Mets were kind of hoping for. And the rest of that starting rotations looked Pretty bad, except for Tyler Miguel. So the Mets are in trouble. That lineup doesn't look to be any good, other than maybe Pete Alonzo and him flashing some power every now and then, and Brandon Nimmo's having a good start to the season. But when Daniel Vogelbach and like Jeff McNeil are your top hitters as well, that's not telling me you have much. Really, it's the Mets line, because I can at least see the starting rotation getting healthy, but I think you question the age there and if they are able to. But when they're healthy, it's still a good starting rotation. That lineup, though, that might just be a bad lineup. Yeah, I agree with you. With this New York Mets team, Pete Alonso has been able to slug out 13 home runs, not necessarily yeah, hitting for the world's greatest great. average. But yeah, when you get 13 home runs out of Alonso, who 
led the big leagues in road home runs in 2021. I think that that really says something, but you've got two guys on this Mets team with north of three home runs as far this season, and I think that that's a big issue there as John Jansen does great work over at Fox Sports Philadelphia. The Gambler is joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, and when it comes to your team, the Philadelphia Phillies, currently they're in second place in the NLEs because they've been the beneficiaries of, well, what has been a really miserable year in general for the New York Mets, and what have you made out of this team? Because we are doing this just before Ranger Suarez makes his first start of the year against the Colorado Rockies. So at the time of recording, we don't know how he was able to fare there. But I think that that's just so big for the Philadelphia Phillies because what has really been ailing them is, for one, the bullpen. That's an obvious one, especially with Jose Alvarado now on the injured list. But two, just being able to get those good number four, number five starters because Bailey Falter has lived up to his aim. He has faltered. Matt Strom was able <laughs> to give you a few good starts, but... Wheels have really fallen off there. For me with the Phillies, offense has been just fine. It's being able to shore up the back end to go along with the likes of Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola who seem to be picking it up. Yeah, and there's kind of a domino effect here with Ranger Suarez coming back. So he, I consider the third pitcher over Taiwan Walker. Taiwan Walker had one of his better starts. I'm not going to say it was great, uh, but six innings, three earned, not bad. It's a sign of progress. At course, too, right. So to me, it's a sign of progress, and that's a good thing because Wheeler and Nola are also coming off back-to-back good starts. They did very well against Toronto. So I think the starting rotation, you have your fourth guy, Tom Walker, there. Fifth guy, Bailey Falter. That's an issue. I don't know how that's going to be fixed. Really, it's just up to Bailey Falter to just kind of figure it out. Andrew Painter doesn't look like he's going to be coming back anytime soon. Really, Falter's just got to figure it out, and I don't know if he ever will. But one through four, I think it looks pretty good now. And then moving Matt Strom into the bullpen, even with Alvarado out, the bullpen's been pretty good over the last few games. And a big reason why is Matt Strom comes in and he's just starting to eat up innings out of the bullpen and still pitching spectacular the way he was in the starting rotation. Just adding one player. like It's it's pretty amazing that one player added to the starting rotation. And a guy like Ranger Suarez, who we don't know he's going to pitch in his first game. But I expect good things. I expect an ERA, like a 3.4 or something like that. I think that's reasonable for Ranger Suarez. And he's been that through his first two full years of his career so I expect that and that's a really good third starter and so now you have starting pitching depth and now you have a little bit of bullpen depth where you're even losing your best guy and still able to put out some good innings from others it did look bad for a time I mean this is the team with one of the highest ERAs in baseball but I always thought that there was going to be progress that guys weren't pitching up the standard like they usually do, and there was still help on the way with Suarez. And now that it's all kind of coming together, I think you can see some encouraging signs from them. And that probably by the end of May, maybe their pitching staff looks pretty good and looks starkly different from what they did in the beginning of the season. I agree, and I do think that the offense in general should be able to pick up as well because this is something that I've been pointing out a lot on the podcast, John. I'm not sure if you feel the same way, but with the Phillies, They've been very solid at being able to move the line. Guys like Nick Cassiano, Sprice, and Sutton Company, they've been able to get on base, but they haven't been able to be driven in as much. Getting back Bryce Harper, I think, is the exact antidote that they need to that because other than Kyle Schwarber, they haven't been getting a lot of contact but not necessarily a lot of power. I think that that'll push this offense over the top as well. Yeah, I think it will. And look, the month of May has not been kind of the Phillies lineup. I think a lot lot of the guys that started hot are cooling down. You add in Bryce Harper, who's already an OPS of over 917. It's pretty wild how we just, no rehab assignments, no nothing, came back very quickly from uh, Tommy John surgery and looks like the best player in baseball still. That's incredible to me. And that's only through eight games that he's looked that good. But Nick Castellanos is a, Really encouraging what he's done because his hard contact rate is up. 
That was really down low in the percentile. When you took a look at hard contact and exit velocity, ranks pretty much in the lowest percentile you could imagine for a guy that got signed for a pretty big contract in the offseason last year. And all those numbers have ballooned up. It's pretty crazy if you go to Baseball Savant and you check all those numbers to see what it was last year and all of the percentiles of how low he was and how bad it got. And then all of a sudden seeing this guy's exit velocity go up, his hard contact rate, his bail rate. So he's seen the ball very well. But guys are cooling down. Bryson Stott is, is cooled down. Trey Turner's not looked like himself yet. There are some you know guys that do need to step up, but guys that I think eventually will. And once this all again comes together, it felt like for the Phillies, it took a few months last year to put it together and, and to make it some kind of postseason run. They're in a much better spot than they were last year at this point. And I think once they do, you know, put it together here, Kyle Schwarber already has nine home runs. So he's starting to, to hit with some power. And again, Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, JT Romuto is having a good month of May. Once they do kind of pick things up, I think they're going to hit the ground running in this lineups. Put a lot of fear, I think, into a lot of teams. I do think so as well. I do think that for the Philadelphia Phillies, things are certainly trending upward for them. And what I think really helps out their cause as well, because I mentioned at the top the fact that I do think that the Atlanta Braves are going to be able to run and hide with this division, that the entire National League is looking pretty wide open in terms of those wild card spots. The NL Central is not looking great with two teams above 500 in the Milwaukee Brewers and the very, very, very quickly fading Pittsburgh Pirates who are not going to be 500 (laughs) by the end of the year. The Padres are pretty much in the same place as the Philadelphia Phillies entering into Saturday, 19 and 20. The Giants think there's a Diamondbacks have been a relatively solid team, but I think do think in the National League, a record barely above 500 might be enough to cut it at this point for a wild card with the way that the new schedule is set up to play more interleague games. Yeah, it's going to be interesting how the Central and the East play out. At the end of the day, San Diego has shown enough, and look, guys healthy. Juan Soto's just been tearing the cover off the ball recently. So that's a very good sign for them because he has not been good since he's been in San Diego. I have to say not been good, but he's not been certainly what they bargained for. Him playing the way he is, perfect for San Diego. So to me, it's the Dodgers at San Diego. I don't think Arizona's going to be able to keep it up. I think those two teams are locked in, but I haven't even liked what I've seen from the Brewers. Brewers have only won three of their last 10 games. So that is wide open. Are there going to be a couple of teams that emerge from this division? Is it only going to be one team that does? I can at least say I do like what the Cubs did in the offseason, and I think that they can get better than the 19-20 to 20 record that they have. I thought the Cardinals coming into the season, I thought they were a decent bet for the National League. It was just, hey, pitching during the regular season might not be the best. Lineup's going to be fantastic, and you know they can maybe add an arm or something during the trade deadline. Their pitching has been a disaster. They've not been able to hold together at all. It was a concern coming into the season, and it's so much of a red flag that the Cardinals might finish as maybe one of the worst teams in that division. I don't know if that's the case, because at any point, they could turn around with the talent that they have. So the Central's got to work itself out. It only looks like maybe one team from that division could go. And the NL East is just going to be fighting for the second and third spot. I would like to say the Mets could do it, but... Heck, the Marlins have been surprising. They just brought up another guy (laughs) for starting rotation that looks good. And the Nationals, I don't expect them to compete, but they look better than advertised. So the bottom of the division looks a little bit better. The top outside of Atlanta with the Phillies and the Mets, they're not maybe looking the best. So it'll be interesting to see how the division kind of eats itself up once it's spit out who is the one coming out on top. And right now I could say it's the Phillies, but that division's going to be in a bad way, I would say, more competitive than we thought outside, again, of Atlanta. Yeah, I do think that for Atlanta, they've got this thing on lockdown. They've been very impressive to me. But with that said, 
I think it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to be able to play moving forward because they are dealing with a few injuries with regards to their rotation as well. Like, looks like they're going to be trotting out their bullpen game for Sunday, which I do think that that leads into a little bit of fascination there. As John Jansen, who does great work over at Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler is joining me on the podcast. And in terms of this Mother's Day Sunday, is there any games that are really standing out to you, whether it be a game that you're going to be looking to bet or maybe a game or two that you're not going to be looking to fire in on, but you just want to take some intel and you want to take note of some of these teams in general that maybe are a little bit questionable. Yeah, I'm really excited for the Corey Kluber and Miles Michaelis game. Let me tell you, I'm very excited (laughs) with those two. All jokes aside, I do like Boston in that game. St. Louis is not playing well, obviously. And Corey Kluber is bad, but he's at least been manageable. And manageable for the Red Sox is good enough. So they've won his last three starts. In the month of May, he's given up six earned and 10 and a third. It's 5.23 RA, but he's keeping their team in games and enough that they can end up winning. And I think against the Cardinals, they're playing better. I don't know if I'm completely in love with what the Cardinals are doing. The offense still is a little bit shaky to me. But the offense for the Red Sox, a couple of bad games here and there. But this is more of a fade Miles Michaelis. I have not liked Miles Michaelis too much. I know his last start was pretty good. He's had a couple good ones here and there, but I think he's certainly do i think for a bad game when you have a whip of 1.66 obviously if you're giving up more base runners those base runners are eventually going to get home on you so i think the red sox at home i like them at home they certainly have a, a solid record 13 to 9 home so i just want to bet the home team that's pretty much around even money there yep i don't think that that's a worse look there when you are able to get even money on the home team that's always something that we do want to be taking a look at and I always love taking a look at your work, John. You do an absolutely tremendous job over at Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. Every single time you join this podcast, you learn tremendous insights. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, you can follow me at jjansen34 on Twitter and check out my work over at Fox Sports and Gambler, foxphogambler.com, and also the Stealing the Bag podcast. All those links will be found on social media, so you can just follow me at jjansen34. But yeah, Fox Sports and Gambler, search us up on the iHeartRadio app and check us out everywhere. John does an absolutely tremendous job taking a look at the game of baseball, and every single time he joins this podcast, always lends tremendous insights, much like he did today. A big thanks to John for joining me on the baseball betting show now part of the visa family podcast coming up next this is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this mlb sunday as we touch them all from bbc radio 4 britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip i thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. 
Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast, 
Always great to be joined by John Jansen of Fox Sports, Philadelphia the Gambler. He does a great job taking a look at the game of baseball. Also does a great job with his own baseball podcast called Stealing the Bag. You're able to find that wherever your podcast always lends tremendous insights on that front. And he did so once again today. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time in the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed, at GNNRNSCORTY1. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation, or this is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom would be remiss not to mention Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are listening. If you're not a mother out there, hopefully I can make you some money so that way you can treat your mother on Mother's Day. So, how about if we get things started with 901-902 on the betting board? It is the New York Mets, a third faceoff against the Washington Nationals. As Jake Irvin goes for the Nats, and you've got Matt Max Scherzer on the bump for the Mets. And the Metropolitans are anywhere between minus 192 and minus $2 favorites. It would be plus 170 and plus 180. The number on Washington, 9 is a total over and under anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115. And it's a spot where I did set my total at 9.1. I'm going to be looking at the over. Mad Max Scherzer just is not Mad Max Scherzer right now. This is a old guy. I believe that he is turning 39 this season. Might be turning 40. And, I mean, it's starting to show. His strikeouts per 9 rate is below 9. He's giving out many more walks than usual. I do think that the home runs are going to start to come down. He's given up six home runs in 22 and two-thirds innings. But and you do have to be bothered by the fact that he was scratched from his last start due to neck spasms as well. So you don't know what you're going to be able to get here. He's going up against a kid in Jake Irvin who was okay at the minor league level. I can't say that I was super-duper bullish on Jake Irvin coming up. But you know what? Two starts. He's been able to go 10 and two-thirds innings, allowing one run. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression here, but you know what? Jake Irvin has been able to come in. He's been able to hold down the fort. And what he showed at the minor league level is that he is able to get some swings and misses, and he's able to hold the ball in the yard. At the double-A level last year, he was giving up right around 0.8 home runs per nine innings. Steady Eddie guy, so I think that that's going to be big. Now, the Washington Nationals bullpen is far from terrific. He's been able to get some good innings out of Hunter RV, Carl Edwards Jr., but Kyle Finnegan, he has been a hot mess this year, along with Andres Machado, as well as right now the Washington Nationals clocking in with regards to their bullpen ERA, 24th in the league. Not like the Mets have been amazing themselves, though. This is a New York Mets team that's 11th with this regard, and both teams they had that big giant rain delay yesterday, so they certainly didn't get done a whole heck of a lot of favors there for the Mets. David Robertson has been very good for this bunch. Steven Degosic is not necessarily the worst long guy either. Drew Smith is able to do an okay job, but and I think that it's going to be all hands on deck because you just don't know how long Max Scherzer is going to go. And the big thing for the Mets is that last year they did a very good job of being able to get those infield singles, be able to get men on base for Pete Alonso to be able to drive it out. And Pete Alonso entered it yesterday with 13 home runs, but got a lot of guys that they're just not moving the line like they did last season. Starling Marte, Mark Hanna, Tommy Pham, Eduardo Escobar, Tomas Nito, all these guys 
hitting a 226 or lower with a 306 on base or less. Francisco Lindor is hitting right around a 225, six home runs. He and Pete Alonso, the only two guys on the roster with more than three home runs. They don't really steal a whole heck of a lot of bases other than Marte, so that's a little bit of an issue for the Washington Nationals. This team just flat out doesn't strike out. The problem has been a lack of power, just 24 home runs entering into yesterday. That's at the bottom of the National League. Is don't have a single guy with north of four home runs. Jameer Candelario, Lane Thomas are those two guys, but you know what? You are able to get guys on base like Victor Robles, Thomas, who I mentioned before, Joey Manessis, all these guys hanging at least at 273 entering into yesterday, and then guys like Kiba Ruiz, Luis Garcia, they've all been able to move the line as well. So I think that Max Scherzer is flat out overpriced because there are some questions with him. Was willing to take a plus 166 or greater. So taking that plus price with Washington Nationals, and here at a 9, going to be taking a look at the over, 903-904 on the betting board. The Cincinnati Reds, yes, we are on the Cincinnati they're onto the road. They're facing off against the Miami Marlins as Braxton Garrett goes for the fish and Luke Weaver is on the bump for Cincinnati. Enough is the total over and under any between minus 105 to a minus 115. For Miami, they are between minus 157 to a minus 165 favorite. And between plus 140 and plus 150 is your number on the Reds. And with the Reds, I needed at least a plus 174 to take a shot here. The only question is money line or run line. Right now, you're finding that... Miami run line anywhere between about a plus 120 to a plus 125. I'm going to be willing to lay the run in half. And this is with a Miami offense that is currently dead last in the National League in terms of runs per game. And yet I am still willing to go in on the run line just because Luke Weaver sinks that bad. Eight home runs surrendered in 22 innings. I mean, he's done an okay job with the walks, right around 2.8 walks per nine innings. But that's about the only nice thing I can say about Luke Weaver at this point. He is getting about... 8.6, 8.7 strikeouts per nine innings as well, but he's just not a competent pitcher at this point. Ever since he had that one good year in 2019, he's went straight down the toilet bowl now. Braxton Garrett having a rough time with things as well. He's done a good job of being able to lock in on the walks the last two seasons. During the 2020 and 2021 season, he was really walking a bunch of guys. He's just been really unlucky on balls in play. Opponents are hitting a 336 off of him thus far this season. He's been getting about eight strikeouts per nine innings, but every time there's a ball that is put in play, it just goes against him. I do think that there's going to be some positive progression from his fielding independent. is way lower than his actual ERA, and then you do have a Miami Marlins team that they do have some boom in this lineup. Jazz Chisel, Mode Solaire, they've been able to combine for 16 home runs. If you look at the advanced numbers, Solaire is just absolutely pounding the ball, so I think that is average. It's going to be going up as the season goes along as well. You've got Luis Arias, who has been amazing at getting on base, hitting at 380 now. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. Garrett Cooper is dealing with an injury. So is Asus Sanchez, which has been hurting the team. But the likes of Garrett Hampson, Brian De La Cruz, John Birdie, these guys are hitting between about a 260 to 270. And then on the flip side, you've got a Cincinnati Reds team that is dealing with an injury to one of their top players as well. TJ Friedel has been missing throughout this series. So Jake Fraley, he's been able to pound out multiple home runs already in this series. He and Spencer Sear are up to five home runs this far this season. You don't have a lot of power with the Reds. They're a bottom six team in the National League in terms of home runs, but that said, Jonathan India is hitting a 300 with right around a 390 on base. Luke Melee, along with Fraley, who I mentioned before, Tyler Stevenson, Stuart Fairchild, they're all providing at least a 350 on base. And the Reds do have a little bit of advantage with regards to the bullpen ERA. This has been a Miami Marlins bullpen that has been bad to say the least. 23rd in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. Meanwhile, the Cincinnati Reds have actually been able to do a very competent job in their bullpen. They're 8th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA as Lexus. He has 
has been able to supply a sub at 250 ERA each of the last two seasons. Lucas Sims has been solid for the team. Alex Young is giving you about a three-ish ERA. Even someone like a Buck Farmer has been okay. Meanwhile, for the Miami Marlins, A.J. Puck, Uskar Badazobin have been very solid. Now they've moved Brian Hoying to the bullpen, though. Don't floral. You figured there was going to be regression. There was that on Friday. So I do have my question marks there. I do think that you're going to be able to get a better start out of Braxton Garrett than we have been seeing throughout much of the season. And this is just a case where I want absolutely no part of Luke Weaver. So I'm going to be taking a look at that plus money run line of the Marlins. Did set my total at an 8.6. So seeing the 8.5, going to be willing to go over to go along with that run line. 905-906 on the betting board. The Philadelphia Phillies hit the red face off against the Colorado Rockies. As Kyle Freeland goes for the Rockies. And Aaron Nola hopes to be super for Philadelphia. And the Phillies are between a minus 157 to a minus 165 favorite. Between plus 140 and plus 147. Your number on Colorado. 11 is the total over and under are both at minus 110. I did set my total at 11.3. So I'm going to be taking a look at the over and with the Phillies. Set them at a minus 153. If you are taking a look at the run line of the Philadelphia Phillies, you're going to be laying anywhere between a minus 105 to a minus 110. And this is a circumstance where I'd be willing to lay the minus 105 and absolutely nothing more with regards to this run line as I set the Phillies minus 153 on my money line, so I'm not getting enough bang for my buck to be able to take a look at the Colorado Rockies. And Kyle Friedland has legitimately been fine at home. Now, he always has a lower ERA on the road than he does at home, but there's a very simple explanation for that. It's really stinking tough to pitch at Coors Field, especially when you're a guy like Kyle Freeland that, throughout his career, he's never really been too much of a strikeout guy. He's only getting about six strikeouts per nine innings. I do think that that is going to creep northward just a little bit because for his career, more on 6.9 punch-outs per nine innings. For his career, 473 home ERA compared to a 373 ERA on the road. That's just because his home runs per nine rate is significantly better, and Aaron Nola has always had his issues on the road as well. This is someone that has an ERA that's right around, I would say, about 0.9 points higher on the road for his career rather than at home, but he has been able to do a solid job thus far this season of being able to limit the walks once again, about 2.2, 2.1 walks per nine innings, but strikeout numbers are down. He's only been able to get right around seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings, so he's facing off against the Colorado Rockies team that even though they're hitting north of a 285 at home, they just haven't been as explosive on offense this season than they have been at past years because typically this team is just absolutely lighting the world on fire on offense. Going into yesterday, 15 home runs in 17 games at home despite the 292 average with so many guys like Ryan McMahon, Bryant, Chris Bryant, Charlie Blackman, guys like this getting on base. Elias is hitting a 385 at home. They've had a little bit of an issue there. They are getting back to Rickson Profar, who he's been able to round into form a little bit recently. Randall Gritchick is someone I do like as well. But for the Philadelphia Phillies, even though the power has not really been there much of it because Bryce Harper has been out of the fold for much of the season, they've been one of the top teams in the National League at just being able to get on base. Bryson Sod is hitting a 275 along with Alec Bohm. And then you've got Bryce Harper, Nick Cassianos, Brandon Marsh, laying above a three-air. Lone issue has been the only guy with north of five home runs on this team has been Kyle Schwarber. Now, another issue for the Philadelphia Phillies, Jose Alvarado is currently on the injured list, and he has been by far their best reliever thus far this season. As Now you're trusting in Craig Kimbrell for even more meaningful innings, and Craig Kimbrell is absolutely terrible. Andrew Vasquez, though, 
he's been able to do a relatively rock solid job for this team. I like what I've been seeing a little bit more recently out of Gregory Soto after a rough start to the season. He seems to be picking it up a little bit more. And for the Colorado Rockies, this has been a semi-competent bullpen. Brent Suter has a sub-2 ERA. Daniel Bard has been solid. They pick up Brad Hand in the offseason. It was a little bit tough for Justin Lawrence a few days ago, but by and large, he's been able to do a solid job as well. So the Rockies have been able to fortify that bullpen a little bit, but I do think that Freeland is going to be had by a Philly team that does a good job of being able to put the ball in play. Aaron Noll is not necessarily been himself on the road as well, but I do think that the Phillies, just with their improved offense in general, being able to get Bryce Harper back full, that gives them more power. That gives them the chance to be able to put up enough runs to be able to cover this run line. Willing to lay up to a minus 105 on that Phillies run line. So by total 11.3, so looking at the 11 over as well. 907-908 on the betting board. It is the slam Diego Padres in the road. Face off against the LA Dodgers. Tony Gonsolin goes for the Dodgers and... Ryan Weathers goes for the Padres. Padres between plus 150 and plus 160 underdogs. Any between minus 167 and minus 180 is your number on the Dodgers with your total at 9. Overs between minus 110 to a minus 120. Unders between even and minus 110. Did need at least a plus 163 to take a shot on the Padres. If you're looking at the run line of the LA Dodgers, you are finding it at about a plus 110 to a plus 105. I need at least a plus 123 to be able to take a shot. So right now, this is a little bit more wait and see. I'm thinking when it's all said and done, I'm going to be able to get that plus number on the San Diego Padres. But that said, as of right now, if I'd be looking at anything, I'd probably be trying to take a look at perhaps getting a run and a half at more around about a minus 125 or so with a slam Diego Padres. So as of right now, we're just seeing mostly openers. Like I said, I do think I'm going to be able to get that plus price with the Padres. As for Ryan Weathers, when he was getting starts about two seasons ago, it was relatively brutal for him. But it has been a new Ryan Weathers as far this season in the limited amount of starts. And he has been able to get, you know what, he's looked like a competent pitcher. 18 innings, giving up one home run, five walks. Swing and miss stuff is not there, and I really don't think it's ever going to be there for him. 11 punch outs in 18 innings thus far this season. I do recognize that it hasn't necessarily been against the world's greatest competition, but you know what? He's been able to hold down the fort for the San Diego Padres team that really does need it. Meanwhile, he is going up against an LA Dodgers bunch at... Doesn't hit for a lot of average, but these guys do an absolutely incredible job of just being able to find a way on base, being able to move the line. It's why they're towards the top of the National League. In terms of both runs and home runs, only the Atlanta Braves really have been able to slug out more home runs than them, as you've just got such good balance with this team, as Chris Taylor, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, James Outman all entered into Saturday with between seven and eight home runs apiece. Max Muncy is 12. Second best in the league. These guys have been incredible, but I mean, the average for some of them have not been there. Like Max Muncy, David Peralta, even Chris Taylor, Trace Thompson. These guys are all hitting a 205 or lower, so that's been earning them a little bit. Really, the guys that have been able to move the line for them have been Outman, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, all with at least a 350 on base. Will Smith, he gets jiggy with it, hitting above a 300. He's been a little bit in and out of the fold. Big thing for the Dodgers, though. They have to fortify this bullpen because they're probably not going to get a lot of length out of Tony Gonsolin. With Tony Gonsolin, up until he really became an all-star last year, the team wasn't trusting in him to go deep. He's coming off the injured list, and you can tell that they're sort of back to where they were in 2020-2021 with him. He's really not going to go past five innings, and right now the Dodgers... They're 22nd in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. Alex Vesio was very reliable for them last year. He's currently not with the team. 
They've been dealing with some injuries with many of their different players. Now they've got Caleb Ferguson back full T, Victor Gonzalez, Bursarder, Gratterall have been good in that bullpen, but I mean, having a trusted someone like a Shelby Miller, that's not great. And for the Padres, their bullpen has been up and down as well. Josh Hader has been absolutely terrific for the team, but Brett Honeywell is posting up in the area that is north of a four. Luis Garcia has not been himself this year, though. He's starting to find it once again. Tim L, he gives you about a 3.50 ERA. Really, this Tom Cosgrove guy has been really good for them whenever I've been able to get a look at him. And for the San Diego Padres, if you take out the games that they had in Mexico City, the team ranks in the bottom five in the league in terms of both runs per game and also in terms of batting averages. You do have quite a few guys that are now sort of fitting that neighbor at about a 255 to 265. You've got that from Nelson Cruz, Andrew Bogarts, Juan Soto. Soto is ascending. Meanwhile, you've got a decline with Xander Bogarts as Soto went deep yesterday as well. So you give him some credit for Nando Tati Jr. getting back the full Desmond Saul. But Manny Machado still hasn't really picked it up. A sub-300 on base for him. Not necessarily a lot of power. The entire catcher spot has been at Albatross. Jake Cronenworth, Hassan Kim. They're hitting right around about a 225-230. So you do have your issues there. And then for Tony Gonsolin, four walks per nine innings. That's not really cutting it for them. Meanwhile, for Ryan Weathers, I do think that he's going to be able to go out there do a relatively sustainable job. I did set my total at a 9.2. I do think that 9.5 would be a little bit too lofty if we get there, but on a 9, I'm going to be willing to go over Tony Gonsolin. I don't think it's going to be lending very much length. He has been really lacking command in general, so I do think that runs are going to be had in this game. And for the San Diego Padres, if I'm able to get a plus 163 or greater, I'm going to be willing to take a look at them on the money line. If not, it's going to be a little bit more of a wait-and-see mode here and could be perhaps a run line spot to take the San Diego Padres getting run and half. So a little bit of wait and see mode with regards to money line slash run line on this one and taking a look at the 9 over. 909910 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants get the red face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Brandon Fott is on the bump for Arizona and Logan Webb is going for the San Francisco Giants. The opener was the San Francisco Giants being a minus 115 favorite. This has been seamed up. They're anywhere between minus 130 and minus 140 favorites. Between plus 110 and plus 120, your number on Arizona. Nine is the total. The over is anywhere between even money and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 105. And with the Giants, I'm willing to lay up to a minus 147 with them. Logan Webb has always been a little bit more suspect on the road than he has been at home, but there's just no trusting in Brandon Fought at this point. Brandon Fought wasn't terrible at the minor league level, but he's now made two starts. He has given up six home runs in nine and two-thirds innings. I do think that his home runs per nine rate of 5.6 is going to be going down just because there's really no way that it's going to be going upward. And I mean, to post up a 391 ERA in the PCL, a juice ball leg at elevation, is honestly not too bad, but he had his home run concerns there. He was able to get some good swing and miss stuff that hasn't been at thus far at the major league level. So you do have your question marks there, but... I mean, man, he's not even backed up by really that great of a bullpen. And for the years of the Diamondbacks, I think that there is going to be some progression with regards to this bullpen. But as of right now, they're sitting here at 26th in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. As you've been able to have Miguel Castro, Andrew Chaffin come into the fold. And neither of these guys have necessarily been that terrific. So that has been a little bit of an issue now. The good news for... This bunch is that the bullpen that is worse in the National League is the San Francisco Giants as 
guys not named Taylor Rogers and Camilo Duvall have all been relative trash for them. And I did mention the home and road splits of Logan Webb, and they are very, very lively as Logan Webb gives up literally a half a home run per nine innings when he's at home. Still not bad on the road. He's giving up more runs, 0.9 home runs per nine innings on the road, but that ERA at home, it's right around about a 292. It's for his career, by the way. So we're taking a look at a big sample size. It's more like a 405 when he is on the road. So it is shown that he has been significantly better when he has been at home throughout his career. But that said, with the San Francisco Giants, they lead the National League in terms of home runs per game on the road. They're averaging right around two home runs per game on the road. And they do have guys towards the top of the fold that are able to move line. It's a little bit of a herky-jerky lineup because you've got Therio Estrada, J.D. Davis, both hitting above a 300. And both of these guys have been able to give you between six and seven home runs. But then you've got the likes of Michael Conforto, David Villar, Mitch Haniger, Brandon Crawford that have been hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. So it's been very feast or famine in terms of being able to move the line. But the Giants utilize those platoon splits. They get a bunch of homers, as I always say with the team. They're probably not going to have a single guy that gives them north of 30 home runs this year, but I can see them having seven to eight guys that do supply for them right around 20 home runs. Meanwhile, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they've been doing just an amazing job of being able to get on base at home. Now, they lack a lot of power when they're at home, as last year, they were a bottom four team in the National League in terms of home runs per game at home. Thus far this season, going into yesterday, 21 home runs in their first 22 home games, but Christian Walker is on an absolute tear. Five home runs in the last 15 days, hitting right around a 350 in that time span. And I do think that there's going to be regression with some of these guys in the lineup. But for the Arizona Diamondbacks, there have been a whole bunch of guys that have come out of nowhere and have been hitting tremendously. As Geraldo Perdomo and Emmanuel Rivera entered into yesterday, hitting north of a 340, which I don't know how realistic that is. Like, Lourdes Gurriel hitting a 310. I think he can sustain that. Gabriel Moreno, probably going to taper off a little bit from his 310, but I mean, these are guys that you expect it from a little bit, but I mean, they've really been able to get a lot of guys to just be able to reach base. Power numbers, not necessarily there. Once again, it's the only guy with north of five home runs is Christian Walker with nine, but Corbin Carroll also does a good job of being able to seal some bases, but man, bullpen, it is an issue, and Brandon fought in general. It's just a big, giant issue as well, so a fascinating handicap to say the least, because I have faith in Logan Webb. I have zero faith in their bullpen whatsoever, but a circumstance where I did set my total at an 8.7 here at a 9. I'm looking at the under with the Giants. Set them at a minus 147 on the money line. If you're looking at the run line, getting about a plus 125 to a plus 130. I'm going to stick with the money line because I do not have faith in this Giants bullpen, and I'm going to be taking a look at the under. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. The LA Angels hit the road face off against the Cleveland Guardians. You've got Patrick Sandoval on the bump for the Angels, and Tanner Bibby is on the bump for the Guardians. With the Guardians, you're going to be getting them anywhere between minus 105 to minus 110. Meanwhile, with the Angels, you're getting them anywhere between minus 105 to minus 115. A to Z total. The under is anywhere between minus 110 to a minus 120. The over is anywhere between even minus 110. Set the Guardians at a minus 132. I'm willing to back them on the money line. Now you've got an Angels team that just completely had their soul ripped out of them literally hours ago in an 8.35 a.m. Pacific time body clock game. That's not necessarily the world's greatest thing in the world for the Angels. They entered into Saturday number six in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. 
We all knew that there was going to be a regression there. It hit them hard on Saturday as guys like Chris Davinsky, Jimmy Harrogate, they're not reliable. Now, they should have Matt Moore available in this game. He's been able to supply a sub-2 ERA. And he and Carlos Aceves are really the two guys you're able to trust in for the Angels. You should be able to have them available in this one. But that said, you take a look at this Angels bunch, and I think that's going to be all about how much offense that they're able to provide us. Mickey Monick went 3-4 of four yesterday with a home run. That's very encouraging for the team. You've got a lot of guys in general. They're doing a great job of being able to reach bases. Jiroshella, Matt Theas, Mike Trout, Shoyo Otani, Anthony Rendon. All these guys are hitting north of a 280. You're able to get good on base with pretty much all of these guys. As we know, with Trout and Otani, they're going to be able to provide quite a bit of tout power. Anthony Rendon still stuck on one home run this season, but you know what? The offense has been solid. Meanwhile, for the Cleveland Guardians, they entered into yesterday dead last in the league in terms of home runs until they really turned it on in the eighth inning. And the big key for them, just finding a way to be able to move the line. And finally, Ahmed Rosario is back for the CMS. He, Stephen Kwan, Jose Ramirez, they're all eating at least at 270. In that fold as well, Andres Jimenez, Oscar Gonzalez, Will Brandon were also hitting at least at 270 last season. We have seen them go straight down the toilet bowl side. So big. Josh Naylor, he's hitting just a 205 this season, and you just need a little bit more power on the Guardians. They were able to make the playoffs last year, being second worst in the big leagues in terms of home runs, but even they were doing a better job than going into yesterday. 20 home runs in their first 38 games of the season. That's just simply unacceptable, but you know that with the Guardians, this bullpen is going to be able to do a rock-solid job, as you got Emmanuel Classe, Eli Morgan, Trevor Stephen, all these guys supplying a sub-3 ERA. Savion Curry has been a relatively good long guy you're probably going to need it because Sander Bibby, he is still a little bit of a younger pitcher. And thus far in his first few starts, he's been able to keep the ball in the yard. 14 and two-thirds innings, allowing just one home run, four walks, and 14 and two-thirds innings. He's gotten 15 punch outs. Now, he did face off against Colorado Rockies at home. The Yankees without... Aaron Judge and the Detroit Tigers, so not like he went up against Monsters of the Midway, but that said, relatively good start there. Meanwhile, for Patrick Sandoval, he just needs to keep the walks down. His swing and miss stuff is down this year. He's only been able to get right around seven punch outs per nine innings, but has always been able to do a good job of inducing soft contact, three home runs, give it up in 37 innings thus far this season, and has always been a relatively rock-solid pitcher on the road. Dating back to the beginning of the 2022 season, his ERA on the road is about 0.6 points lower on the road than it it is at home. It's been right around about at 275. So I do think that he's going to be able to do a solid job giving you a good start. But as we saw yesterday, regression. It is coming in for this LA Angels bullpen. It's coming in hard. I do think that the Guardians are going to be able to move the line, knock Patrick Sandoval out of this game early as they do a good job of not striking out. And then from there, they're able to strike on this bullpen. I do think that the Angels, they're going to be able to draw some runs off of Bibby as well before a Cleveland Guardians team that leads the league in terms of bullpen here since the also break of the 2022 season is able to share this up. Set the Guardians as a minus 132 favorite, taking them on the money line. So I tell it at 8 by 1. So let's look at the 8 over. 913, 914 is going to be the DK Nation write up pick as you got the Tampa Bay Rays on the road facing off against the New York Yankees. Clark Schmidt goes for the Yankees and Zach Eflin looks to not be Eflin awful for the Tampa Bay Rays. With the Rays there, anywhere between a minus 115 to a minus 124 favorite, anywhere between even money and plus 108 is your number on the Yankees. Nine is the total over and under both at minus 110. Right, a pick. That is going to be on the Tampa Bay Rays money line. I felt like this should have been closer to a minus 150. Zach Eflin coming off of a little bit of a less than savory start his last time out, but has given up three runs or fewer in five out of his six starts thus far this season. Has a sub-three ERA. 
Strikeouts to walk rate that is hovering right around 8.5. He's going up against someone in Clark Schmidt that just has not been good this year. Schmidt has been able to give you 11 punch outs per 9 innings, but he's given up 2 home runs per 9 innings. ERA is north of a 5. Both of these bullpens relatively comparable. The Rays, they're 7th of the league in terms of bullpen ERA. They certainly did give that one away yesterday, but that said, by and large, you've been able to get some good production out of this team. The Pete Fairbanks injury is something that you do want to know, but the likes of Jason Adam, Jalen Beeks, Ryan Thompson is a guy that blew it yesterday. That was not too terrific, but I mean, you've got so many arms that have been able to do a solid job, and guys not named Clay Holmes for the New York Yankees have been able to sure things up as well. I mean, even Jimmy Cordero is giving you an ERA that's hovering right around three. Ron Metanacchio, Wandy Peralta, Alberto Breu. These guys have all been able to do a very solid job for the team. The question for the New York Yankees is, is the meat of the lineup going to be able to come through? Because with the Tampa Bay Rays, you know that this team is going to be able to score. The Tampa Bay Rays are currently number one in the big leagues in terms of runs per game on the road, runs in terms of home runs on the road, also, road batting average. You just go down the line and they lead the big leagues in darn near all of these categories as Randy Orozarena, Yandy Diaz, Josh Lowe, Luke Rayleigh, all of at least eight home runs thus far this season. They're all hitting at least a 278. As a matter of fact, the only one that's not hitting above a 315 right now is Luke Rayleigh. And Wander Franco is right now hitting a 300 with seven home runs. They just have lethality all across, having to go up against a guy in Clark Schmidt that has been better in his last two starts. Giving up two runs in both of them, but I mean, overall, he's given up three-plus runs in six out of his eight starts thus far this season. You've got a Yankees lineup that has Anthony Rizzo really out and running. He's been able to give the team a 300 average. He's been able to hit for some power. You've got Aaron Judge back at full, but you still have a bunch of guys that they just have been incredibly bad for the team thus far this season. As Anthony Volpe, Kyle Gashioka, really the entire catcher spot. Let's just call it what it is. As Waldo Peraza, as Waldo Cabrera, Aaron X, Isaiah Canerfalefa, all these guys are hitting below a 215 for this team, not really drawing a lot of walks either. So I take a look at this spot. I do think that the Rays are going to be able to get back online. It's really the first time they face adversity all season long. Losers of four out of their last five, and I think that they pick it up here. My DK Nation write up pick that is going to be on the Rays' money line. Semi total at 9.2 as well. I think that the Yankees starting to pick it up with their offense, and I think Clark Schmidt has given up some runs. So looking at the over, DK Nation write up pick that is on the Rays' money line. 9.15-9.16 on the betting board. The Seattle Mariners in third face off against the Detroit Tigers. Joey Wentz is going for the Tigers. Logan Gilbert on the bump for Seattle. Seattle is a minus 170 to a minus 180 favorite, anywhere between plus 150 and plus 159, your number on Detroit. In is the total, over and under, anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115. Did set by total at 8.2. I'm going to be taking a look at the under end. With the Tigers, anything of a plus 150 or greater was willing to dive in on them, and we certainly have been able to get there. For Joey Wentz, not like he's the world's greatest starter or anything like that, but you know what? He's been able to do a competent job here down the stretch. A 6.09 ERA, that has been a little bit unsightly, but he has been able to pick it up a little bit more in his last few starts. His strikeout numbers, they're starting to creep up there a little bit as he's given up two runs or fewer in three out of his last five starts. What really did him in is that he had his first two starts of the season just be absolutely terrible. He went eight innings. He gave up eight runs against the Red Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays. Ever since then, things have been able to get a little bit more online for him, and he goes up against the Seattle Mariners team that 
It's got what it is. The offense just has not been there for them. They haven't been able to score 14 runs in this series, but overall, this is a bottom five team in the big leagues in terms of batting average. Jared Kelnick has been incredible for this team. He's hitting at 289. He's been able to slug out eight home runs. And the Oscar Hernandez has been able to give you eight home runs as well. But you take a look at the starting lineup that the Seattle Mariners had out there yesterday among their... Ten guys that saw any sort of an at-bat yesterday. You had all but three guys hitting a 229 or lower. You had as many guys hitting below a buck 90 as you did guys hitting above a 240. So that's a big issue. Not with J.P. Crawford, he's able to give you about a 380 on base. He's been able to do a solid job there, but you're really lacking a lot of thumping. Cal Raleigh and Eugenio Suarez. You rely upon these two guys for home runs. Both of these guys have five or fewer. Both of these guys, 315 on base or less as well. Now, with the Detroit Tigers, this team has been not so great with their bats as well. As you do have Riley Green, who's been able to move the line. He's able to give you about a 325 on base with a 270 batting average. And then you've been able to get really good at bats recently out of Javi Baez as well. Ever since he got benched towards like the middle of April, he has been a completely different player because he was terrible prior to that. Take a look at what he's been able to do the last three days. He's sitting at 326. So that is much better for this team. Even someone like their young infielder in Andy Abanez has been able to move the line. You don't have a lot of power with this team though. Right now, Jason Rogers is leading the way with five home runs, 31 home runs in their first 37 games of the season. Not going to cut it in for the Detroit Tigers. This isn't quite the bullpen that they had last year. Guys like Gregory Soto, Michael Fulmer, Andrew Chafin, they are now out of the full, but you've been able to get some really good production out of a few of these guys as you've been able to have Alex Lang along Jason Foley, some of the holdovers from last year. Supply sub two ERA. Will Vest getting back in the fold has been very good. The long guys like Mason Inglert and company have really been the albatrosses along Jason Tree, but all in all, it's not been bad, and I do think we're going to see some regression with the Seattle Mariners bullpen. Right now, they're number one in the big leagues in terms of ERA. I just wonder how long these guys are going to be able to keep it up, because they have been missing Andres Munoz, along with Penn Murphy. These are two of their better guys from a season ago. They got rid of Eric Swanson in the offseason as well, and right now, you got Gabe Spire, Trevor Gott, Justin Topa, Justin Then, Taylor Saucedo, all giving you a sub-190 ERA. There is going to be some progression with this. I mean, right now, one of their worst bullpen pieces has been Paul Sewell with a 3.32 ERA. Matt Brash, who was very good last year, he has not been performing. So it's the guys that you wouldn't expect that would be able to do a solid job. And for Logan Gilbert, he's always been an okay pitcher. Not a guy that I look at as great. Not a guy that I look at as terrible. Now, swing him himself this year has been much better. He's getting right around 11 punch outs per nine innings, but a 4.15 road ERA. He's only given up one home run in 21 and two thirds innings on the road. Opponents are getting a 2.16 off of him, and to his credit, he has really been able to progress giving up just two walks per nine innings, but I think that this summer is a little bit too lofty. I do like what I'm seeing out of Joey Wentz, and I do think that Logan Gilbert is going to be able to supply a relatively good start. You've got a pair of lackluster offenses here, so here at an eight and a half, looking at the under, but plus 150 or greater, we'll take the Detroit Tigers on the money line. 917-918 on the betting board. It is the Chicago White Sox playing us the Houston Astros. As Hunter Brown goes for Houston, and Lucas Giolito is on the bump for the Southsiders with the White Sox. You're going to be getting them between a plus 110 to a plus 116, anywhere between minus 120 and minus 136, the number on you said 7.5 to 8 is the total on the 8 over and under, anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115 on the 7.5 over is minus 115, the under is minus 105, so at 8.4, so whether you've got a 7.5 or an 8, I'm going to be willing to take a look at the over and when it comes to the Astros, want to lay up to a minus 137 on the money line, really don't want to go too far with regards to the run line because 
the one thing that has went well this far this season for the White Sox, and really not a lot has went well for the team. They entered into yesterday 13-27, and 27, which is just so bad. But, and Lucas Giolito has actually pitched really well. He's given up a combined five runs over the course of his last three starts, and overall has given up two runs or fewer in five out of his last six starts. So, he's been able to do a much better job this season. What has always plagued Lucas Giolito has been the walks, and it's not like the command has been necessarily super-duper pinpoint, but still, right around 2.2 walks per nine innings. He's given up about 1.15 home runs per nine innings. You can live with that. Hunter Brown on the flip side, he's been a little bit fortunate on balls in play. 3.23 ERA. He's given up one home run in 39 innings. And I mean, he is a guy that I think the Astros are going to be able to build around moving forward. Does need to rein it in a little bit more in terms of the command as he's been giving up about 3.8 walks per nine innings, but all in all, it's been solid. 3.13 road ERA. He's just backed up by the significantly better bullpen. The Houston Astros last year were number one in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. Not quite number one this season. Currently, they're sitting at number six, and you figured there was going to be a little bit of regression with guys like Ryan Stanek, Seth Martinez posting up sub-250 ERAs last season, but you still been able to have guys like Phil Mayton, Hector Neris, Brian Abreu be able to give you sub-2 ERAs, so I mean, they still do a rock-solid job there, and for the White Sox, the only reason why they're not dead last in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERAs is because the Oakland A's exist, as you haven't been able to get anything out of guys not named Gregory Santos along with Keenan Milton, and when those are your best two relievers, you know that it's relatively rough. Joe Kelly is right now one of their better relievers at a 450 ERA. Alex Colmey, Jimmy Lambert, Rinaldo Lopez, Nick Padilla, Aaron Bummer. I mean, these guys have been horrible. And for the White Sox, you've got guys that are able to give you a relatively decent batting average. Nobody wants to take a walk, though. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Going into the seventh inning in their game yesterday, they had 10 hits in the first six innings at just one run. They don't have a lot of power. They just are swinging at darn near everything. It's been absolutely insane. Now, Luis Robert is up to 10 home runs. He's been able to do a nice job of being able to slug it out. And whenever Jake Berger has been out there on the field, he's been able to do a solid job as well. He's been able to give the team seven home runs, but he is sort of a guy that is in and out of the fold. He's currently on the 10-day injured list, so that has really been hurting them as you do get back in the fold, Yohan Moncada. So you lose one guy, you get another guy back in, and then you, they've got Tim Anderson back, who's been back for about a week. But, I mean, Andrew Vaughn, Andrew Benatendi, Enzer Alberto, Gavin Sheets, Anderson, I mentioned before, Eloy Jimenez, who's banged up once again. All these guys are in between about a 242 and 255, so they're sort of all in that fold, but they're not really reaching base other than Robert with Berger being out of the fold. You don't have a single other guy that gives you north of four home runs. Meanwhile, for the Houston Astros, it's been a little bit tough for their lineup as well. Michael Brantley, along with Jose Altuve being in the fold, it does hurt them. But you've got Jeremy Pena now hitting at 250. He's starting to come alive. Alex Bregman just continues to really struggle. He's still giving you north of a 320 on base, but he's just not able to reach base. You've got the catcher spot in general just not being so terrific. Jordan Alvarez, he's been able to give you about a 385 on base. Expect a little bit more than the nine home runs that he's been able to provide this year. Mauricio Dubon has been a nice find as well, but I do think that Hunter Brown is going to be able to deliver a good start. I do think that we're going to see a little bit of regression out of both of these guys, though. Hunter Brown has been very lucky on balls in play. Lucas Giolito, I do think that he's going to start to give up a little bit more contact as well, and I do think that there's going to be progression from both of these offenses, so I'm going to be taking a look at this 7-half to an 8-over, but I think that the Astros bullpen gets the job done. I'm going to take the Astros on the money line to go along with this total over 919-920 on the betting board. It is the Walker Texas Rangers on the road facing off against the Oakland A's as you've got J.P. Sears going 
For the A's, and Andrew Heaney is on the bump. For Texas, Texas is back to being a favorite. Anywhere between minus 140 to minus 155. Meanwhile, anywhere between plus 120 and plus 135 is your number on Oakland. Nine is the total over and under both at minus 110 with the Texas Rangers. Made them minus 186 on the money line. If you're looking at that run line, you're able to get them as high as a plus 118. I'm seeing mostly plus 110s, but I was willing to lay more like minus 110 to minus 115. So, you know what? Sign me up there. I recognize that Andrew Heaney could be a little bit feast or famine, 525 ERA, and the big thing for him, he just always gives up hard contact. Eight home runs, give it up in 36 innings thus far this season, has allowed three plus runs at each out of his last three starts with six bombs, give it up in that time span, but now he gets to go up against the Oakland A's, and I recognize that Oakland plays a little bit more hitter friendly during the daytime rather than the nighttime, but this is still one of the best pitchers parks out there in the big leagues, and that's big going up against an Oakland A's team that, if you look at them on the road, they're not bad. They hit about a 250 as a collective, they're averaging nearly a home run and a half per game on the road. When they're at home, this team has been awful. They've been averaging less than a home run per game. They hit as a collective about a 216. So, big giant issues there. Brent Rooker has been actually really good for the Oakland A's. He's been able to supply 11 home runs. He's hitting at 316, so that has been good at Stadio Ruiz. It's up to 18 solo bases. I believe that that leads the league hitting about a 275, but then you got them on the fold with Ryan Noda, Shea Langoliers, Jace Peterson, Seth Brown. These guys hitting between about a 200 to a 225. Ramon Laureano hitting more around a 230. Tony Kemp, Elamendes Diaz when they've been out there have been absolutely terrible. And for the Texas Rangers, if it wasn't for the Tampa Bay Rays, maybe leading the league and darn near every single category in the American League on offense as they've been able to get good production out of Adelise Garcia, Josh Young. These two guys are combining hit about a 250, a combined 17 home runs between the two of them. Marcus Simeon, 375 on base. He has really been able to pick it up after a rough start last season. You've had Ezekiel Duran, Leody Tavares, Travis Janikowski, all at at least a 290 as well. And then for the Rangers, bullpen isn't great. It's not terrible. They're right around league average in terms of bullpen ERA, which, I mean, by the way, for the Oakland A's, that last in the league in terms of bullpen ERA, a 672, other than Zach Jackson and Sam Mollo been able to supply a sub-4 ERA. I mean, they're really DFAing a whole bunch of guys, and they're just trotting out there a poo-poo platter of whatever the flavor of the week is. It's been really sad to take a look at, but I'd say getting back to the Rangers bullpen, Jonathan Hernandez, Jose LeClerc, Brock Burke, these guys have been solid. I recognize that Brock Burke and his hiccups in that game on, I believe it was Friday, to up his ERA to a 370, but all in all, these guys are relatively solid. Josh Jaboris, Will Smith, they're able to give you some relatively decent innings as well. And then on the flip side, when you got someone in J.P. Sears who... I mean, he's been okay at home. He's providing a sub-4 ERA at home, but that said, it is a case where he certainly has been giving up the deep ball as well. He's not necessarily too much of a swing and miss guy. Thus far this season, more around nine punches per nine innings last year. That was right around seven. I think that he's going to settle right in the middle, but he's given up four-plus runs in three out of his last four starts. Does a good job of being able to keep the walks down, but still, there are issues there. And by the way, I'm seeing on ESPN, Drew Rosinski. I think that that's a little bit of a typo on their part. If you get Drew Rosinski out there, I'm willing to go up to $2 on the Texas Rangers. So there is that aspect of it. But in terms of this one, I'm willing to lay up to a minus 112 on that Rangers run line. So looking at the run line, set by total at 8.6. Here in a 9, I'm also going to be taking a look at the under 921-922 on the betting board. The Pittsburgh Pirates sit the road face off against the Baltimore Orioles. As for Baltimore, it's Kyle Gibson getting the start. And Mitch Thunderkeller is on the bump for Pittsburgh. 8 to 8.5 is the total on the 8. Overs minus 115. The unders minus 105 on the 8.5. Unders between minus 115 to minus 120. Overs between even a minus 105 with Baltimore. You're going to be getting them between minus 132 and minus 140. 
135, anywhere between plus 115 and plus 122, your number on the Pittsburgh Pirates. With the Pirates, I did set them as a plus 144 underdog. I'm going to be willing to back the Baltimore Orioles. And the big thing with the Baltimore Orioles is that they're going up against a Pirates team that is so ice cold at the plate, it's not even funny. With the Pittsburgh Pirates, they have now scored three runs or fewer in 11 straight games. It's a bit of misery, dilly-dilly for them. As for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you've been able to have Brian Reynolds do a solid job of being a reach base. He's hitting about a 295 thus far this season, but I think that the O'Neill Cruz injury is really starting to take hold as I mean, Brian Reynolds has been stuck on five home runs for seemingly an eon. Jack Swinniski, he was giving the team some good at-bats towards the beginning part of the season. That's really started to taper off as well. And got a bunch that they do an okay job of being able to generate walks, but you had a lot of guys that, in my opinion, they just played above their heads at the beginning part of the season. Now we're seeing that just come to a screeching halt. Andrew McCutcheon, he continues to be solid, 360 on base. He's been able to supply the team with seven home runs, but you just don't have a lot of thumping in general with this team. They've now... Just seeing a complete outage with their power. They're at 40 home runs over the course of 39 games this far this season. And got a lot of guys are in between about a 248 to a 263. I mentioned McCutcheon, Carlos Santana, able to throw in there, Connor Joe, Rodolfo Castro, and all these guys legitimately have on-base percentages that are around a 340 or greater. Topico Marcano is in that fold as well, but they just don't really have that guy to be able to drive them in, and that's a big issue because this is a Pirates bunch that has been able to do a relatively solid job with their bullpen as well. In terms of bullpen ERA, headlined by David Benar, who has been a terrific reliever for them, they're right around 11th. In terms of that, J.C. Young has been in and out of the fold when he's been able to give you innings. He's been solid, but even without him, Dwayne Underwood Jr. is providing a sub-350 ERA. Yohan Ramirez, he's got about a buck 80 in terms of his ERA. Jose Hernandez is starting to falter a little bit, but he's still been relatively solid. But they go up against the Baltimore Orioles team that's currently third in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA as Yanir Cano has all of a sudden become one of the best relievers in all baseball. I'm not sure how. C.N.L. Perez has not been great. Keegan Aiken is on the injured list, but Ryan Baker is able to give you two ERA. Danny Columbia has been able to come up big in some nice spots as well. And for the Baltimore Orioles, it's not like they do one thing great on offense, but they're a top-down offense because they're very well-rounded. You've got a pair of guys in Orde Mateo, Cedric Mullins. They're providing 12 stolen bases. You've got Mateo starting to see some regression. Both of these guys in now between about a 262-265, but they both give you between five and six home runs a piece, and they're much like the San Francisco Giants. I don't know if you're going to get a single guy other than possibly Ryan Mountcastle has eight home runs that is going to be able to give you north of, I would say, about 25 to 30 home runs. But I can see it when it's all said and done, having like six, seven guys to give you 20-plus. Anthony Santander was dealing with a back injury towards the beginning part of the season. He has really picked it up last 15 days, hitting a 362 with a trio of home runs. So that has been big. Gunnar Anderson, he has still been really struggling in terms of batting average at a buck seventy. Five, but he's got a 341 on base. So, I mean, these guys, they're finding a way on. They're doing a good job of just being able to provide functional offense. And when it comes to Mitch Keller, I like the fact that he's been able to add some velocity on his fastball. His swing and miss stuff is way up as he's been able to get north of 10 punch outs per nine innings. He's allowed just four home runs over the course of his 49 and two-thirds innings as well. Mitch Keller has been a very good starter, especially at home, giving up six runs in 27 innings. Crosses four starts. That's good for a two ERA. Walks are down as well as his walks per nine rate. That's hovering right in the neighborhood about 2.7. I think that he's better than Kyle Gibson. 
Gibson, in terms of strikeouts per nine, he's right around six. He's only given up now about 1.15 home runs per nine innings. The walks are not necessarily a factor, but Kyle Gibson has always had a little bit of an issue on the road. 604 roadie area thus far this season, but I just can't back this Pittsburgh Pirates team because they're generating zero offense as of right now. I did set my total at 8.2, seeing mostly 8.5. I'm going to be willing to take a look at an 8.5 under, and with the Baltimore Orioles, willing to lay up to a minus 144 on their money line. 9.23, 9.24 on the betting board. The Atlanta Braves at the red face off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Yusei Kikuchi goes for the Jays, and Colin McHugh is on the bump for the Atlanta Braves. Right now, seeing an initial opener at DraftKings with the Braves at minus 115, minus 105 on Toronto. Total of 10 under is minus 115, over is minus 105. Did set my total at a 9.7, so at a 10, I'd be looking at the under end. With the Blue Jays, I make them a minus 123 favorite. With the Braves, you got to figure that this is going to be some sort of bullpen game. I was seeing on Fangraphs they were expecting Jared Schuster to get bulk innings, but if you take a look at the way that the minor leagues are sort of situated with the way that he made his start, he'd be coming in on short rest, so even if they would try to throw out their Schuster, he wouldn't be able to lend a lot of length, so I think that you're just going to see a poo-poo platter of pitchers, much like we saw about four to five days ago, where you're probably going to be passing it off for a few innings out of someone like a Jesse Chavez. Michael Tonkin should certainly get some run here, and Tonkin has been able to provide a sub-two ERA, and he's a guy that has been able to throw two-plus innings in three out of his last five appearances, so I do think that he's going to play a little bit of a role in this one, and for the Braves, it's not an amazing bullpen. It's not a terrible bullpen, as the Atlanta Braves are right now 16th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. Meanwhile, for the Toronto Blue Jays, they've been sort of not great, not terrible with their bullpen as well. They're 18th in terms of bullpen ERA themselves whenever you don't have Anthony Bass and Yumi Garcia out there. It's been going relatively solid. Jay Jackson comes back from the NPB. He's been looking relatively good. Tim Mesa, Eric Swanson, sub two ERAs, and Joe Romano has been a little bit up and down, but it feels like he's starting to find his groove. But I do think that for the Blue Jays, they should be able to get to this Atlanta Braves bullpen game as you've got a Blue Jays offense I think is just really waiting to erupt. You have Liger or Junior Bobachet, a combined 15 home runs, both hitting above a 310 for this bunch. Matt Chapman, north of a 400 base. So been stuck on five home runs for quite a while. And for the Jays, 43 home runs in 38 games. That's pretty much league average. I do expect that to go upward. I do think that you're going to be able to see much more production out of some of these guys that have gotten off to a rough start to the season, like an Aleander Kirk, who's providing about a 360 on base, but in just a 225. Santiago Espino, Kevon Biggio, Danny Jansen, these guys have been absolutely awful. I think that you're going to see them have some progression. You've got George Springer currently sitting with about a 285 on base, just four home runs. You know that he's going to be a bit, and Whit Merrifield has been able to do a good job of moving the line now with the Atlanta Braves. Their power numbers are there. They're leading the National League in terms of home runs with Matt Olson, Ozzie Albies, a combined 20 home runs between the two of them. And then you've got Sean Murphy, nine home runs, four on base, Matt Olson, 371 on base, Ronald Lacuna Jr., 433 on base, 342 batting average with seven home runs. I mean, these guys have been absolutely terrific, really, other than Marcel Zuna. Even able to get good production of the entirety of the lineup. As, I mean, even Kevin Pillar, Sam Hillier, these are guys hitting between about a 255 to a 270. Eddie Rosario, after a rough start to the season, he's picked it up. Austin Riley has been a little bit rough as well. But that said, I like the way that Yusei Kikuchi has been able to mix it up a little bit more. Last year, he was just going for strikeouts, and that knocked him out of starts early. As he had north of five walks per nine innings, even though he was getting 11 punch per nine innings. It was killing him with right around a 5 ERA. That's down to a 335 this season. He has been giving up a little bit more hard contact, but the walks have come down significantly. About two walks 
per nine innings. It has allowed him to pitch deeper in the games. It has helped out his ERA. Even though his strikeouts are down, his overall effectiveness is up as he has allowed one runner fewer in four out of his last five games. So I do think that this 10 total is overreactionary. I'm going to be taking a look at the under of the Blue Jays. If I'm able to get this price, I'm going to be willing to back them, set them at a minus 123 on the money line. 925, 926 on the betting board. The Chicago Cubs are on the road facing off against the Minnesota Twins as Louis Varlin goes for the Twins and you've got Marcus Stroman on the bump for the Cubs. And the Cubs, they are between minus 112 to a minus 105, very slight favorite. Anywhere between minus 104 to minus 115 is your number on the Minnesota Twins, so rather pick them game, and total on this game is 7.5, over is minus 115, the under is minus 105, and with the Cubs, I did set them as a favorite of minus 118, I'm going to be willing to back them, Marcus Stroman has been absolutely amazing on the road in the last few seasons, and he's going up against someone in Louis Varland that was solid at the minor league level in his major league starts, he's always had a little bit of topsy-turviness with regards to command, now, he's been able to do a very solid job thus far this go around five blocks and 16 and two-thirds innings, 20 strikeouts. It's been a little bit unlucky on balls in play. I really think that Louis Varlin is starting to become a relatively solid pitcher. He's allowing opponents at a 273, even though he's got really good stuff. Meanwhile, for Marcus Stroman, he just always finds it on the road. Dating back to the beginning part of last season, he's got right around a two ERA on the road. His home runs per nine rate is just absolutely sterling as that is sitting right in the neighborhood about 0.6. So I like what he's been able to provide. And with the Chicago Cubs, it's not like an incredible bullpen or anything like that, but it's been a competent bullpen. You were expecting, honestly, a little bit more out of Brian Boxberger along with Michael Fulmer. These guys have not been terrific, and yet they're still 10th of the league in terms of bullpen ERA because Mark Leiter Jr. has been able to do a nice job along with Ed Bear Alzelay. They both have to be able to supply a sub-3 ERA with Leiter Jr. Sitting right around a 1. Keegan Thompson is a relatively nice long guy. Probably not going to need him. And Brandon Hughes is back to full. Meanwhile, for the Minnesota Twins, their bullpen has been able to pick it up as well. They're up to 14th in terms of bullpen ERA. Ori Alcala coming off the injured list is big. Now, Giovanni Morin, he's been not so great this far this season. Last year, about a 3 ERA. That's up to a 550 this season. But Ori Lopez, Yohan Duran, these guys have been lights out with Lopez being able to supply a sub-2 ERA. And for the Minnesota Twins, they entered into yesterday dead last in the big leagues in terms of batting average. But they are hitting about 40 points higher at home rather than on the road. So I think just a 2 as a collective. You do have to have your concerns there. Carlos Correa, he was able to go deep yesterday, but he's still hitting at the Mendoza line of 200. The big thing for the team is that you just got overall inconsistency. Among guys that have been able to give you at least 50 at-bats as far this season, you've got two guys, Donovan Solano, Ore Polanco, that are hitting above a 235, and they're both hitting a 259, and Polanco has a 276 on base, so that's not necessarily so great. Jose Miranda, Byron Buxton, Creo, I mentioned, Joey Gallo, hit a home run that went, like, literally 500 feet, but, I mean, all these guys are hitting a 215 or lower. It's not like they're doing an amazing job with regards to their power as well. Byron Buxton is up to eight home runs along Joey Gallo, but... Need a little bit more there. Meanwhile, for the Chicago Cubs, this team just does an incredible job of being able to find a way on base. On the road thus far this season, they're hitting a 285 as a collective. That leads the National League as you've had Cody Bollinger, Patrick Wisdom, Ian Happ, Monthera Cosmer, all at above a 310 in road games thus far this season. Power numbers, they've been relatively solid. They're averaging about 1.2 home runs per game on the road with Patrick Wisdom getting seven home runs already on the road. I believe that he's got 12 in total, so he's been able to do his part there. And you just take a look at guys that have given the team at least 50 at-bats as far this season. Really, all but one of them in Eric Hosmer 
have been able to hit at least a 248 this far this season as you've got Ian Happ who's giving you a 435 on base. Christopher Morel, he in a very small sample size has been able to do a nice job for this team as well. Dansby Swanson, Cody Bellinger, they're in between about a 272-275. So all in all, a very fearsome lineup for the Cubs. Louis Varlin is coming along for the ride, but I do think that he needs to just get some more reps in. And I do think that he's going to have a little bit of a tough time against a Cubs team that has been able to do a great job of being able to make contact in general. I do feel like the Twins lineup is starting to pick it up a little bit. I think that there's going to be a little bit of negative regression for Stroman on the road. Some I told at 7.9, so you're at a seven and a half looking at the over, but with the Cubs, one lay up to a minus 118 on their money line. 9.27, 9.28 on the betting board. The Kansas City Royals hit the road face off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Colin Rhea goes for the Brew Crew and Jordan Lyles is on the bump for Kansas City. It was not known whether or not Rhea was going to make this start or not, so as I am doing this podcast, this is an off-the-board number, but with that said, I've got a handicap. I set the Brewers as a minus-172 favorite. As long as it's a plus-110 or greater, we'll to look at the run line as well. I made my total 9.2, so 9 or less looking at the over 9.5 prior to the under with Rio. They actually threw him out of the bullpen earlier in the week, so... I do have to wonder if he's going to be able to continue to give the five to six innings like he has been doing throughout the entirety of the season. And for Colin Rhea, he's relatively milk toast. A 4.94 ERA has actually been a little bit worse at home rather than on the road. Big thing for him, does need to cut down on the hard contact. He's given up five home runs in 27 plus innings of work. His walks per nine rate, that is hovering right in the neighborhood about three and a half as well. But he's not Jordan Lyles. And there's a little bit of familiarity here because Jordan Lyles pitched for the Milwaukee Brewers a few seasons ago, but Jordan Lyles has made eight starts. The Kansas City Royals have lost all eight of them, and seven of them have been on the run line. So that's not great to say the least, as Jordan Lyles, I mean, his name should be Hickory because he is getting smoked. His home runs per nine rate is right around about 2.4 to a 2.5. His walks per nine rate is just barely below three. He's not getting a lot of swings and misses. And opponents overall are hitting a 247 off of him. But when he hits the road, he just gets just hit really hard. Five home runs in 16 and a third innings in 827 road ERA. And he's backed up by an offense that, I mean, to call what it is, they're just not very good. You just take a look at this Kansas City Royals team, and entering into Saturday, you had MJ Melendez, Hunter Dozier, Nate Eaton, Jackie Bradley Jr., along with Kyle Isabel, all hitting at 209 or worse. Bobby Wood Jr., he's got a 263 on base. Salvador Perez, Vinny Pascantino, they're in between about a 280 to a 290. Both had seven home runs entering into yesterday, so a little bit of credit there, but don't have a lot of guys ripping the cover off the ball. You've got a lot of dead bats in the lineup. That's not great, and then you're able to pair that up with a bullpen that is currently in the bottom five of the big leagues in terms of ERA as, I mean, Aroldo Shaman has honestly not been bad for this team, and Josh Shaman has come back. He's looked relatively solid, but Josh Taylor, Scott Barlow, Jose Cuas, Taylor Clark, these guys with north of a four ERA, not too terrific. Meanwhile, the Brewers, they're currently ninth in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. Peter Strzelecki has been a little bit up and down, but past when he went to Coors Field, he's been able to do a relatively solid job. Joel Pionce, Elvis Piguero have a sub-3 ERA. Devin Williams is one of the best closers in the big leagues. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, Roddy Tellez has been able to give the team 10 home runs thus far this season. And he's got a lot of guys that they just sort of have that on base between about a 320 to, we're going to call it about a 335. Brian Anderson, Tellez, William Thomas, Christian Yelich, all in that fold. And for Yelich, 
just continues to be a waste of money. But the entire catcher spot between William Contreras and Victor Carantini, these guys have been amazing. Their combined on base is north of a 375. So do you like what you're seeing there? Owen Miller has been able to give the team some nice production as well, hitting above a 300. Bryce Terang has seen a little bit of a fall off. Joey Weimer has not been able to give you a lot either. But I do think that the Brewers are going to be able to do a solid job of getting the Jordan Lyles in this spot. Will it take a plus 110 or greater on the run line of the Brewers? And semi total 9.2, 9 or less to the over, 9.5 higher to the under. And for the Royals, need at least a plus 173 to even consider them. And we wrap things up with 9.29, 9.30 on the bang board. The Boston Red Sox play us to the St. Louis Cardinals. Miles Michaelis goes for the cards. And got Corey Kluber on the bump for Boston. Boston is anywhere between a even money to a plus 105 underdog. Meanwhile, and we're between minus 111 slash minus 110 to a minus 122 on St. Louis. And I made the Red Sox a minus 145 favorite. I'm going to be willing to back them for the St. Louis Cardinals. The only reason why they won the last two days is because Kenley Jansen sucks. And yes, I did say that Kenley Jansen does stink. There are many that agree. There are many that disagree. But that said, he has become incredibly unreliable. And I was figuring that there was going to be regression with this Red Sox bullpen. They entered in the top 10 in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA in the weekend. And they're still sitting at 13th. And I still don't believe that they're even that good because Kenley Jansen... He does a really good job of blowing saves in high leverage spots. And then when nobody's watching, he's going to put up a couple of just 40 saves against really, really bad competition. But when you take a look at Richard Blyer along with Ryan Brazier, these guys are just not good at all. They both supply north of a 5 ERA. They've been trying to really mix and match in the bullpen, and it's not been working out. Zach Liddell has not been good. Brennan Bernardino currently has a sub-2 ERA. That is not going to be long-lasting, in my opinion. But, I mean, these are just a bunch of untrustworthy guys. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, this has been a bullpen that's been a little bit up and down as well. Feels like Ryan Elsley is starting to get back into that good form. His ERA is back below 3. Genesis Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos has been solid. But guys like Drew Verhagen, James Nele. You have your question marks there, and you've got massive question marks when it comes to Miles Michaelis as he has been getting drilled thus far this season. He's given up north of a home run and a half for nine innings. His walks are not bad, right around 2.6 walks for nine innings, and his strikeouts are actually there. He's getting nearly nine strikeouts for nine innings. That's a career high for him, but, I mean, it's been really an up-and-down season for him. Now, I will say, last five starts, he has been better. Ten runs, nine of which were earned, given up in 27 and a third innings with giving up three home runs in that time span. So he's been able to improve. And you're able to say the same for Corey Kluber. Now, Kluber has a 629 ERA. That's less than terrific, but he's given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last three starts. That came on the road against the Phillies, the Orioles, and the Toronto Blue Jays. So he went up against some relatively good competition. His walks per nine rate, much higher than it was a season ago. Last year it was sub two. This year it's a little bit north of three. You know that you're not going to get a lot of swings and misses out of him, but this is a Boston Red Sox lineup that is currently in the top four in the big leagues in terms of runs per game as they just do everything really well. Rafael Devers has been the main home run man for this team. He's been able to slug out Eve Levin, but you've been able to have a lot of guys that they just do a great job of being able to find a way on as Justin Turner, Rob Rev Snyder, these two guys between a 360 to a 370 on base. Alex Verdugo right around 372. And Masataka Yoshida hitting above 300. 
390 on base. He has been on fire the last three weeks. And then you've got someone like a Reese McGuire is sitting above a 300. Emmanuel Valdez is sitting above a 300. So these guys have all been able to deliver. Meanwhile, for the St. Louis Cardinals, they just haven't been able to give you a lot on the road. They're averaging right around about 3.8, 3.9 runs per game on the road. Nolan Arenado was able to get a few home runs the last five or so days. That should be able to help him out as he's got his batting average back up to a 250. But still about a 300 on base. Paul Goldschmidt, he continues to be terrific. Seven home runs down a little bit for him, but still hitting above a 300. And then he got quite a few guys that are sort of hitting in that fold of we're going to call it between 270 to a 250 Arenado I mentioned before. And then you've got Wilson Gutierrez, Nolan Gorman, Brendan Donovan hitting between about a 265 to 271. All their on bases between about a 335 to a 355 with Gorman leading the way with nine home runs. Tommy Edmond, though, has had a little bit of a tough time. Really a lot of their young outfielders. Alec Burleson, they sent Jordan Walker down to the minors, which I don't know why they did that. Dylan Carlson, these guys have been rough. And they were giving Taylor Motter at-bats to begin the season. I have no idea why they were giving Taylor Motter at-bats, but I mean, that was a thing. But I do take a look at this spot. I do think that Corey Kluber is going to be a pitch better than Miles Michaelis. Michaelis has looked a little bit better recently, but a pitch-to-contact guy that typically gets drilled hard. I do think that this is a little bit too high of a total. It is going to be a nighttime game, so semi-total at 9.8. Kluber looks to be finding his form a little bit more, so looking at the 10 to 10 and a half under, and with the Red Sox. Made them a minus 145 favorite, so willing to back them on the money line, and that will wrap things up for the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN family of podcasts. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we are for this in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at tunein underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline, and the other way, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to find out whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.